Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the Sunday, January 13th episode of Poets and Muses. We chat with poets about their inspirations. I'm your host, Imogen Arate. I sat down with this week's guest, Joytishka Mizra, at the beginning of the new year. And we had a very enlightening conversation about our respective poems, The Last Shot of Vodka and Connected. But before we turn to that interview, however, let me go over the events that are taking place in the Valley during the week of January 14th. On Monday, the 14th, Café Tuba African Coffee Shop is hosting a speakeasy Café Tuba open mic at Elzo Arc Restaurant. That's at 7812 North 27th Avenue in Phoenix. On Tuesday, January 15th, from 6 to 8 p.m., Connect and Heal is having its weekly poetry writing workshop at the Chandler Community Center, which is at 125 East Commonwealth Avenue in Chandler. From 8 to 11 p.m., Ken Kong is hosting his weekly The Underground Experience at 2601 on Central, which again is at 2601 North Central Avenue in Phoenix. Sign up at 7.30 to get on the mic. On Wednesday, January 16th, from 6 to 8, Gen Society is hosting its workshop at K Main Street Learning Lab, which is at 126 West Main Street in Mesa. From 8 to 11 p.m., Poetic So Phoenix is hosting its weekly open mic at Club Downtown, which is at 702 North Central Avenue in Phoenix. Sign up to be on the mic starts at 7 p.m. Wednesday, January 16th is also the last day to sign up to be on the mic for the January 19th Pocket to Me event at Palabras Bilingual Bookstore, which you can do by emailing info at palabrasbookstore.com. On Thursday, January 17th from 7.30 to 9, District 4 Poetry will be hosting its monthly poetry open mic at Jared's Coffee, Tea, and Gallery, which is at 154 West Main Street in Mesa. Signing up to be on the mic starts at 7 p.m. On Friday, January 18th from 8 to 11 p.m., Latoski and Speaking Into Existence will be hosting its Smoke It Into Existence open mic at Just Blaze Smoke Shop which is at 1001 East Camelback Road in Phoenix. Saturday, January 19th from 6 to 9 p.m., Pocket to Me Open Mic Night will be taking place at Palabras Bilingual Bookstore, which is at 1738 East McDowell Road in Phoenix. On Sunday, January 20th from 7 to 10.30 p.m., Homebase will be hosting its 10th year anniversary and last open mic at the Tempe Improv, which is at 930 East University Drive in Tempe. Signing up to be on the mic starts at 6 p.m. Now that we have gone over all the poetry-related events taking place in Phoenix and the Valley during the week of January 14th, let's turn to my interview with this week's guest, Joytishka Mizra. Thank you for coming to our show, Poets and Muses. Please tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, thank you, Imogen, for having me today. I am a former engineer, worked on a bank, currently a business student at ASU. Great. And I actually started writing poetry under the insistence of my mother. Oh. 
So when I was around uh, just uh, more than five years old, uh, mm -hmm. she was like, uh, she kind of forced me into it and uh, over time <laughs> I uh, really enjoyed it. Great, great. I've been writing poetry uh, since then uh, for over two decades now. Hopefully it's gotten better over time. <laughs> oh, you are published. <laughs> That's great. This beautiful poem here, The Last Shot of Vodka, is from your book, Wonderings of a Wanderer. And you have mentioned to me before that, um, unfortunately, we can't find this book in the U.S. How do we find this book? Uh, yeah, actually, uh, it's listed on Amazon.in, which is the Indian website of Amazon. Okay. Uh, I haven't been able to sell it uh, outside India due to some tax complications. It kind of uh, makes it... I'll be losing money on every sale if uh, I wow. do that. But uh, it's available on Amazon.in. And mm -hmm. uh, the... Digital copy is available on bookden.com, which is the Macmillan website. Okay, great. Before you start reading, I kind of wanted to know a little bit more about this, your mom forcing you to <laughs> into, uh, how did that go? Give us a little bit of a flavor, details. Uh, well, uh, okay, so my mother, she has a master's in uh, English, mm -hmm. and she used to be a university lecturer. Okay. So she was very... Uh, committed to uh, having us embrace at least some art, some of them being right. language-based. Right. Uh, for me, uh, I didn't show much talent in Bengali, which is actually my native tongue. Mm -hmm. But uh, I took to English pretty well. I started reading poetry and my mother said, start writing. <laughs> so I started uh, little by little, wrote more and more, I like filled out entire diaries. And I started participating in these uh, poetry recitation competitions. Oh, great had a few wins as well and in the during college I was actually the editor-in-chief of the university magazine and okay. I kind of was able to help other poets uh, develop their own uh, voice if you will mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that's just how I've been going about it. Great, great and I see from uh, some of the poems that you sent me and that I've seen that you are a follower of uh, forms um, it looks like very classical forms that you follow. Can you tell me what the influence is there? Uh, I just really uh, loved uh, poetry that rhymes. So reading Wordsworth and mm -hmm. uh, like the other classical poets uh, who always stuck to a certain rhyme scheme, well, alternated every now and then, uh, that's something that uh, I always enjoyed. Mm -hmm. I do commit the one of the cardinal sins, which is overuse of alliteration every now and then. <laughs> I do that as well. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I just find it, uh, uh, these types of poems, uh, they roll off the tongue very easily. Mm -hmm. They're easy to remember. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that's what I really like about them. Okay, cool. Great. Would you like to read for us now your uh, last, the last shot of vodka? Right. So the last shot of vodka is about a friend of mine. Uh, I knew him when I was up in Alaska. I was working as a resident assistant in my dorms. So this is about him. The last shot of vodka. They knew him as a drunkard and not the man beneath, nor the tales of anguish and the strange legacy he would bequeath. They did not see the sharp wit or the unique points of view, the life that he lived known only to a few. They saw him with his vodka and did not think any more, for he was just a drunkard, just one of a hundred score. And so, let me tell you the story of a friend who smiled through his agony till he went past his bend. 
for even I did not see as far to predict his act of madness, born of an extreme yet momentary sadness. This is the tale of an Alaskan native, the face of a community incredibly creative. I met him first one night, dispensing of my duties at Wickersham Hall, when I was called to deal with a stranger who had taken quite a fall, inebriated and passed out on another's bed, asleep in drunken stupor, his face ruddy red. I helped him to his room and thought of him no more until I found him again waiting the next day at my door. For his nighttime transgression, he profusely did apologize, and I could see the panic written clearly in his eyes. He was let off on a warning, and, I, and he realized I could be a friend, one on whom that anyone could blindly depend. And so, over time, he told me many of his tales, the long nights of Sitka and the festival of Wales, tales of fishing for salmon and traversing the national park, of native Alaskan music and dances lighting up the dark. He told me of his worries that the pipeline should spill, of the pristine wild stained submerged in oily fill. And so months passed, for no story flowed to another, punctuated by drunken bouts shrieking and forlorn shouts. And every time we pulled him away from the drink, he would promise to leave it, once again that he could think. But his university had problems and cost-cutting solutions required, eliminating teaching native Alaskan arts that preserve he alone desired. And so, and so he would find solace at the bottom of his glass, even though we would try and convince him to give it all a pass. And then one day, he was smiling. He went down to a bar, a ways away from campus, but not all too far. That night, we were not with him, and he was nameless drunk in the crowd. He wore his sorrow that night, engulfed as of his shroud. That night, he was peaceful, no maniacal shouts of sorrow. He walked away in peace, not worried of tomorrow. And in the Alaskan winter, he lay down to sleep, mind darkening to rest, a slumber all too deep. He passed, smiling as ever, free forever last, forgetting the worries that plagued him of a long, difficult past. And so I had one less friend, the morning, next day, for the land that grew him had claimed him and had taken him away. Thank you. It's, um, uh, I have to say, this is the second time I heard you read this poem. I can, I can really feel this emotional emotionality in me as you're reading it and telling his story again. You know, in, in a few pages, you get the feeling of how your friendship developed and how you tried to save your friend. I was wondering if you would mind telling us a bit more about him off of what you revealed on the page. Okay. Uh, I'd appreciate it if I don't uh, like reveal the name because... Uh, of course, of course. Yeah. So, uh, can you give him a name that I can refer to him as? Yeah, I think we can, we can just use a standard name, like we can call him Andy if that's fine for you. Yeah, that works. Okay, sounds good. 
he's a he was a native Alaskan. He was very deeply involved in the community and the preservation of uh, native Alaskan arts. Now, in the University of Alaska Fairbanks, where we were, these this was one of the subjects that was taught. There's a native Alaskan festival each year. Uh, however. Due to a drop in the oil price, the funding of the university had suddenly decreased. Mm -hmm. And uh, due to that, some programs were being cut. And uh, some of those were uh, native Alaskan languages and arts. Mm. And uh, these were some of the subjects that he was a TA for. So he was not only losing something that he loved himself, Mm -hmm. he was also losing his uh, income. He couldn't continue being a student without that. So he wow. was facing a lot of financial uh, as well as emotional difficulties. Right. And uh, he used to turn to alcohol to like, kind of numb the pain. Right. Yeah, yeah it's, it's really a shame to see so much of all culture. When I say our, I mean like American culture, bits of American culture that's not mainstream, that's being neglected when it's so dependent on money for those subjects to be taught. This was in your undergraduate years, you said? No, this was, I was getting my master's okay. uh, at the time. Okay. Uh, I was only there for like uh, around three years. Okay. But uh, yeah, guy, uh, Alaska is a very different place. It's very <laughs> unique. Yeah. It's, uh, it's becomes very unforgettable in the experiences that you have there. That's what I heard. Uh, you know, the funny thing is, when I was reading your poem, and also hearing it for the first time before, um, I had just re- uh, read the, the a book called The Cloud Atlas. I don't know if you heard of it by, by Liam Callanan, which I'm is... sorry, I haven't. Oh, I would suggest you reading it. I, I, think, I think you will recognize a lot of Alaska in here. It's uh, purely on Alaska. It's uh, about... Belk, Alaska, which is a much smaller place, but it talks about some of these things, some of these unfortunate familiar diseases that First Nation people have succumbed to, such as alcoholism. And it also talked about, in terms of your friend's passing, having such a harsh winter, Alaska having such a harsh winter, that some people just go out one day and just never come back. And it sounds like that's what he basically did during uh, yeah. So uh, one of the things about U- uh, University of Alaska Fairbanks, UAF, first year of orientation, they give you a little bit of survival training. <laughs> they know how harsh Alaska can be. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. As long as you respect it and you prepare for it, it is safe to go out, enjoy yourself, come back. Yeah. But if you're not cognizant of the risks, mm-hmm. you don't uh, prepare for them, there is a chance that uh, this will happen. Mm-hmm. Also, going back to... Uh, problem you said about uh, people facing problems with alcoholism. A lot of the people who are coming to campus, they've never been in a crowded place. They come from much smaller towns. So adjusting to the new place seems a bit difficult to them. That's why they might use this as a crutch, I would say, along with all the other pressures that they're facing. When I was uh, working as a resident assistant, there were some people who like lived up in Barrow and stuff. They had never seen a like a tall tree. All mm. the t- trees around their hometown were stunted. They'd only seen ice. Coming into Fairbanks was a very big change for them. Mm-hmm. Then uh, many of the people, they're first-generation college students, so there's a huge amount of pressure on them to succeed. Right. And that pressure just gets it builds up and piles on. 
Right, right. So they need to have something sort of to numb the pain a little bit. Yes. Forget the pressures a little bit. And do you mind if I ask you how long did you know him? It seems like it, it took a while. Yes. Uh, so it was a bit more than a year. Okay. Do you know which First Nation people he come come from? He said he was a uh, Inupiaq. Inupiaq. Okay. I I don't know too much about the uh, Alaskan Native Nations. I, I've seen some. Um, there was a incredible documentary about seal hunting and how important it was for the native Alaskan population um, to be considered their voice to be heard in terms of the international fight against seal hunting because um, what people fail to realize is that nothing grows in the tundra in the winter time so having regular food that we think of that we could just go out and get at a corner store it costs so much to get flown in so that seal hunting become really is a way of life and not just in terms of oh uh, they're used to it for generations but because there's nothing else so that's some of the things and through this book uh, the cloud atlas which was about world war ii actually i mean you you said you told me before that uh, you're from mumbai Yes. Right and well, originally I'm from Kolkata, but I've lived in oh. Mumbai for quite a while. I was okay. working there recently. Oh, okay, okay. Since this was not your undergrad, but this was your master's, yeah. uh, had had you been in Alaska for a while then? By then, or you you just went <laughs> there for that master's degree? Yeah, I went there for my master's degree. Uh, so one of the professors in the uni- uh, university throughout my undergrad, I used to refer to his book. So okay. His book on reservoir engineering is uh, very widely used throughout the petroleum oh. engineering world. Okay. So that kind of drew me to that university. Luckily, I, w- I applied, got admitted, Great. and so that's how I went to Alaska. Okay. When I arrived in Alaska, it was uh, January, okay. and I realized all the cold weather clothes I had brought would not cut it. <laughs> <laughs> So it took a little bit of adjusting. Right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> just a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I think the first few months I was just running from one building to another, <laughs> staying with, recovering the, my body heat and then just making a run to the next building. Wow, wow. And I'm, I'm cold now, so I can't <laughs> even imagine what you had to go through. One thing we used to do uh, in UAF is that we used to wait for the first night when it's negative 40. And we used to go down to the temperature center to take photos because uh, at negative 40, the centigrade and the Fahrenheit scale are the same. The same. <laughs> so, yeah, that was fun. <laughs> Actually, give us some kind of reference because I don't think most of us understand what negative 40 is. What, what, like, what would happen to your body or what, what sad part of your body that was exposed, what would happen to that? Uh, breathing becomes difficult because, uh, wow. like... Uh, saliva in your mouth it everything freeze. inside you know, it starts freezing you have like little icicles eyelashes harden and they can actually break off at some point wow. and if you take a uh, steaming hot water and just throw it in the air it's uh, ice by the time it hits the ground i've seen that video on yes YouTube. i've done that <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> just for the fun of it oh boy oh boy um so there is entertainment to be found just like in regular things like throwing water <laughs> There's also uh, cross-country uh, country skiing, there's dog sledding, there's uh, snowboarding, which I'm terrible at. <laughs> oh, one of my favorite things is every year, uh, towards the end of February and then throughout March, 
uh, Fairbanks hosts, hosts the international ice sculpting competition. Oh, so the best gorgeous. ice sculptors from all around the world come and compete over there. Mm -hmm. and there are two categories, one which is the single block and one which is the multiple, uh, multiple block. So in the single block, they get a massive block of ice mm -hmm. and they make a sculpture out of it. In the multiple block, each sculpture is nearly the size of a one-story building. And there are like 18 of those side by side. Evening especially, they illuminate it uh, with like yellow and purple and many colors of lights. Mm -hmm. It just looks magical. Nice. That is something <laughs> worth seeing. Um, and sometimes you have the aurora overhead, so it's Yeah, even I've missed that. I, I went to Iceland to see that, but it was too warm that year. So, oh, yeah, we kind of missed that. Not, not veering too far from your poem, I, I wanted to come back, uh, even though I'm really enjoying what you're telling <laughs> me about Alaska. Since you knew him for about a year, and obviously it's, it sounds from the poem that you, you really cared about him, what was the impetus that made you write this poem? Was it his death or was it a long time afterwards? It was uh, like, not a long time afterwards. It was about a month or two. Okay. Was it um, anything that made you, any something that happened? Or what, what made you decide to write this particular poem? Well, the thing is that uh, I basically, Mr. I should have seen it coming but I just completely missed it which just made, made me feel really bad. Oh, you, you can't. Honestly it's, it's, I mean it sounds like from your poems that, that you both, you and his other friends had tried very hard um, sometimes um, and also it seems like the circumstances surrounding his death is something that could happen very sudden without much planning so that there really wasn't too much of a chance. I mean, with, given the winters in Alaska, very unforgiving winters. I mean, just going out there. And even though you could see some signs, sometimes, you know, we can't pull people out of that, even if we, when we want to, you know, when we have the best of intentions. So it was out of that mindset that you really wanted to kind of explore, just tell his story with... Um, yes, kind of. I mean... Obviously, I can't, uh, like, I can only describe what he was going through. I can't uh, talk about exactly how he felt because that's something that only he could right. properly explain. Right. I made an attempt. That's about the best I could do. Right. I mean, that's what we all, all we can do, right? Each, of, each one of us for whatever part of life. So it's really great that you cared enough that you wanted to reflect on this and you brought us his story, which is really nice because, you know, I like how you tell us from the beginning that if we didn't know him, just like when you didn't know him, all he seemed was a drunkard. But when you got to know him, you saw all these, almost a magical aspect of his um, personality, you know, and all... He was very bright and cheerful. Oh, was like, he? Yeah, he made friends very easily, so, but yeah. Do you mind telling us a little bit more about what he showed you about his um, cultural background, about his cultural practices, with, and did it did it help you because you were also away from home? <laughs> so uh, I was always very curious to learn more about uh, uh, Native uh, Alaskan art and culture, and he was an excellent person to describe it. Mm -hmm. 
he told me uh, like all the things that he experienced growing up. He told me like he, uh, when you go salmon fishing, the first you don't watch the salmon, you watch the bears because the bears are coming out <laughs> of hibernation. You're right. both in the river. Right. <laughs> so uh, small anecdotes, stories. Uh, he was just full of experiences that were very unique. Mm-hmm. So just learning from him was a privilege. I used to have office hours as a resident assistant, so he used to just drop by, chat for a while, and then other than that, uh, catch him around because we're in the same dorms. Oh, okay. Well, that made it convenient. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You don't have to run into the cold in order to go see him. (laughs) (laughs) No. Uh, Also, there were the potlucks. So, the dorms I was staying in, there was a large international population, Mm -hmm. so the potlucks were pretty amazing. Oh, great. Uh, And... uh, so he used to bring uh, like a native Alaskan food. Mm-hmm. I actually got to taste uh, his own recipe for reindeer. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's great. Which involved what? Tell us about it, a little bit about it, if you remember the recipe. Oh, no, I don't know the recipe. Ah, but, uh, it was a secret. He didn't tell you. <laughs> no. It was spicy. <laughs> spicy hot? Yes. Right. Yeah. Oh, interesting. I, I didn't. I never thought of. Well, but I have no no exposure to Alaskan cuisine, so it must. It's interesting to think of. Yeah. It. It was, uh, to be honest, I don't know how peppers would grow in an Arctic environment. But anyway, <laughs> uh, maybe the recipes changed over time. But uh, yeah, it was okay. good. Okay. Cool. Cool. I can imagine. I mean, one of the reasons that I love um, Arizona and Phoenix area in general is because of the availability of a lot of international food. And I can imagine the potlucks <laughs> that you used to have and feel very, very jealous right now. <laughs> you were saying that you didn't want people to just easily find out who he was. And it seems that you're very right. protective of him still. Right, so uh, his uh, his Facebook page is still active. His, uh, his family still posts messages to it. Right. I don't want anybody to kind of infringe on that that's their own personal way of remembering him of course of course yeah that makes sense so i was wondering um did you since you've been writing for so long since you were five and participated in these uh spoken word you know competitions in india as well as in the u.s did you did you go to something in alaska when it, yeah, when it was freezing was <laughs> uh, that was that part of the culture there as well and did you participate in that so there was a poetry slam that happened uh, every month. Uh, it was a university, not a university event, but it was organized by students, so it was okay. it counted as part of the university's calendar. Okay. Okay. Uh, so yeah, I used to go to that uh, every month. Okay. Did you did you like it? I mean, were there a lot of people? I really liked it. Yeah. Yeah. There was uh, Kirk Gallardo from the linguistics department. He was really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was Rafe Kennedy. Uh, he was. Pretty amazing as well. Okay. So those two really stuck out from the crowd. Of, uh, I really enjoyed their poetry. Nice, nice. Do you anticipate going to many more events in the Phoenix area? I definitely want to if my schedule permits. Yeah. Um, this quarter I'm going to have classes till 7, so I'm still trying to figure out how I can get around in time. <laughs> it's, it's a bit difficult. I mean, I think I think a lot of events, you probably notice that things kind of stop earlier. Yeah. Yeah, so a lot of events you might not be able to, especially during the week, you might not be able to sign up for, but you can still come and enjoy the other poets. Yes. 
I intend to do that. Yeah, and and you know you should listen to our show because we announce all the events for the upcoming week and in each week's episodes. Um, so I guess I'm I'm going to talk now. Uh, um, I'm going to read uh, my poem connected, and we can talk about that later. And I chose this poem because. I felt like you you connected with somebody who could very well be a stranger that you just pass on the street, but somehow there was a connection, there was a kindred spirit that you found that you were able to relate to. I mean, it helps obviously that that you're curious about other people's cultures and you're you were especially curious about Native Alaskan culture.、Um, still, it's it, without the reciprocation, you wouldn't have been. Become as close friends as you did, and it's really great to hear the story, even though it came out of tragedy. And that's why I chose this particular poem. Connected. Look at all the constellations falling in our shadows, all the dust that we comprise, the edges of our beings bridged by the light, casting in between, and our separation is never truly cleaved, though time may distort. Our shapes and push outward, outlines to meet. It only wants to be helpful to blend together the essence it knows to be the same. So、um, I imagine you had some, a little bit of time to <laughs> read this poem. Yes. Okay.、Uh, first of all, it kind of reminds me of a quote、uh, by Carl Sagan that we're all made of star stuff. Yes. Talks about. Yes, exactly. <laughs> But I really like how this、uh, poem connects the internal with the infinite,、mm-hmm. and、uh, how everybody kind of is reaching out and、uh, coming in contact with other, meeting them, forming groups, and、uh, sort of like、uh, shows the network of uh, people uh, knowing one another, becoming friends. Is that kind of the direction that you were thinking about presenting? This poem was inspired by me trying to post my second ever. Instagram photo, which was、oh. a photo of two of my friends and myself on a trip, and I took a shadow. Of, I took a photo of the shadow of all three of us.、Oh. And when I was posting this photo, I realized that within the shadows, that there were rocks, little rocks that would just scatter within the shadows, and that reminded me of constellations. And when you talk about this Carol Sagan quote, I'm a secret, not so secret, science geek. <laughs> So、um, often you find、uh, either overt or covert science references in my poems. So there's definitely that aspect, and I am also very interested in our connectedness as human beings, as you know, one species, who unfortunately often sort of mistake very, very noticeable differences like、uh. skin color or features as a reason to hurt each other. So I care deeply about. How we are related to each other,、uh, both genetically and culturally,、uh, right. as well as how utilizing that connection, what we have in common—that's you know more than I think genetically we're more than ninety, more than ninety-eight percent. I forget if it's ninety-nine something. I forget the exact percentage, but to to really bring that to the foreground, so we can realize you know why are we fighting over just like tiny differences. That we now know for sure, really very minute, very <laughs>、yeah. uh, meaningless, but also, as I said in our last podcast, you know, come out of natural selection and helping us adjust to the environments that we used to, our ancestors live, and we still live. Right,、so. and especially like when you're looking at shadows, 
it's a it shows the unity of the human race because yes. you can't pick out the differences there. Yeah, exactly. And and I just thought, you know, I I started off being literal. Uh, well, actually, not even being literal, even starting off. But it's it's these constellation of rocks that reminded me of the constellation of stars because our shadows was you know it was dark in the shadows though, and they sh- the rocks were uh, lighter in color, so they seem like stars in the sky in some ways. I just really like that we and that reminded us me of how we're all made of all these elementary particles. And that we all share this—not just our genetic origins, but also our ancient origins. Right. No, it's it's very well put, Olivia. Thank you. Uh, I notice that you're more. Uh, are you more of a free verse poet, or? Um, I do both. Oh. Um, you know, when I was reading at the the place where I saw you, the Phoenix Poetry Slam, uh, I was reading something that was rhyming. Yep. So it really depends. Um, I think now I'm playing more with form. Uh, than before, before I mean I still have the habit of just letting whatever needs to come out come out. I mean, and my recommendation to to writers or poet poets or would be writers and poets is always just write without worrying about form and then go back and do form or 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 edit later because then I feel like when you're worried of form about form first and foremost. It really stagnates your flow of inspiration sometimes. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I did want to ask one thing. You mentioned also, are you in the habit of editing poems after they're written? Because I, I used to be like, I will never edit my poems. That was dogma for me. But mm-hmm. that changed over time, and uh, I did make changes to some poems over time. So, how about you? Do you change anything? Uh yeah. Similar to you, I used to just write and be like. I'm done. <laughs> Goodbye. Next one. And but now I do go back. You know, even as I'm, I usually write on my phone, and then as I'm transferring the files, I will read it again. And having the benefit of just sometimes even just ten minutes, it helps to see. Oh, you know, maybe I could use another word. And also, I, I am terrible at spelling, so invariably I will find a spelling mistake when I go to a software application that has an automatic speller and I'd just be totally ashamed of myself. <laughs> yeah, I do I do edit a lot more now and in fact um, I was reading some of my poems from the 90s about a month ago and I realized e- even after I've edited some of them as I was reading some of them to people at another event that Oh God! I need more editing here. <laughs> so, so to me now, I, I feel like it's good to edit, and it's it wasn't out of sheer egotism even when I was younger, and to not edit. It was just like just like when I used to do. That's probably why I was really bad at my math exams when I was in grade school, is that I I hate double checking, and I think <laughs> that was why I didn't edit more than anything else. Yeah, I, I used to think my, to myself, I can never be a rocket scientist because I don't double check my work and I don't want anybody to get killed because of that. <laughs> 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 never mind the rest, you know, like never mind the rest of the details and all the all the mathematics involved. I mean, I I actually do uh, love math. I don't have the natural ability as uh, many of my friends who are like 
math geniuses. So, but still, I say that because I don't, I don't want people to feel discouraged. You know, when when somebody says, "Oh, I don't know math," it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily mean the same thing. You know? <laughs> Hopefully, I answered your question. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Good, good, good. So now that we, we finished talking about each other's poems, I was wondering where do you anticipate you'll be reading next? Don't know that yet. <laughs> uh, I really do want to come back to the Lost Leaf. I like the crowd over there. It was a nice atmosphere. Yeah, it's. I, I believe it's happening again uh, the week of the seventh. Don't quote me. I'm gonna put it on the podcast once I know for sure. And there is a workshop uh, every Tuesday at the Chandler Community Center. It's with Connect and Heal, and you can find that on both Meetup and uh, Facebook. And it's a nice group of poets. I usually go to the Sunday one. That's. Every second Sunday of the month, and that's more during the day.、Okay. So if you have some interest in that, and there's a new workshop that's coming up. I think it's on 13th of January. Again, I'm going to put all this on the podcast. I look forward、um, to that. Yeah, so you can you can go to those. Quite a number of events going on. There's two standing open mics in Phoenix downtown. One is the Underground Experience, which is on Tuesday nights, and then on Wednesday nights there's Poetic So Phoenix. Any kind of artist can come up, but you have to get there early. <laughs> well, before school starts, you still have maybe what a couple weeks left. I give one. You one, yeah. So、This、you week, might. This week essentially. Yeah, like tonight. There's some you can you can go. Okay. Yeah, where can we? Where can the listeners find you、uh, besides your book that's on、uh, Amazon.in? Where Where can we follow you? Do you post on social media or have a website? Uh, no, not really. Okay, okay. So you can find Jyotishka Misra's book, which is again, Wanderings of a Wanderer, published by Macmillan Education, on Amazon.in, and this beautiful book. Uh, whose cover you're going to see、uh, as the cover of this week's episode was illustrated by his sister.、Uh, so, so Kanya,、uh, she illustrated the entire book. So all the illustrations inside,、oh, wow. with, beside the poems. She's heard all these poems before. I told her what I'm thinking about、uh, of the artistic style, and she's always been good at drawing. And、uh, she's actually an urban planner right now, so that kind of fits her skill set.、Okay. So yeah, she did all the illustrations for the book. Wow, wow! I should get in contact with her myself. <laughs> <laughs> she has some freedom. She's actually、uh, on leave from work because、uh, she's giving birth in February. Okay. Well, I, I don't know if I should burden her <laughs> with uh, drawing uh, <laughs> like uh, homework while she's you know preparing for. If I know my sister. The- Drawing is pretty much all she's doing with the right、ah, now. Ah, okay. So it's a nice distraction. Well, maybe <laughs> in a way, yeah, we should probably get in touch. If these are, I wish you could, you guys could see this. Some really beautiful, you know, drawings and illustrations throughout the throughout the book. So again, you can find that on Amazon. In so where else can we find your book? Online, it's available. The physical copy is available on Amazon. In as I mentioned. Uh, but it's、uh, the digital copy is、uh, available on Bookden.com, which is the Macmillan、uh, website for、okay. their e-books.、Uh, the physical、uh, book is also available in、uh, Oxford、uh, bookstores. Okay.、Uh, which are, I mean, there are outlets、uh, throughout India. Okay. So. 
throughout India. Great, great. And I'm going to provide the link in these um, in the episode's notes uh, on SoundCloud. Um, thank you very much for coming on our show and talking you about your poem. Thank you for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. Great, great. And um, I look forward to seeing you at another event soon. Absolutely. I look forward to seeing you as well. Thank you. Have a good beginning to uh, 2019. You too. Happy New Year. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our interview. I'm going to include in this episode's notes links to Jyotishka's uh, book. Given the topic his poem touched on, suicide, um, I do want to provide the phone number for the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, which is 800-273-8255. Again, that's 800-273-8255 or 800-273-TALK. I will also include the link to their website in our episode notes. And that concludes the Sunday, January 13th episode of Poets and Muses. I'm your host, Imogen A-Rate. Please follow us on SoundCloud and Instagram under Poets and Muses. And you can find me on Twitter under Imogen A-Rate. Thank you for listening. I look forward to speaking with you again next Sunday, January 20th.